Hey everybody, how, when, and to what degree should we be an advocate for our customers? Stick around, we're going to talk about this in a few minutes, thanks. Hello, everybody. Jeff Mason, Simple Biz 360 podcast coming to you on 28 platforms, YouTube TV, IGTV, Gab TV, coming to you today from Half Coast Studios. Maddie Parker on the boards. We are episode 130. Been doing this since uh, middle of October 2019. And I know I always say we're going to have some fun. I'm not going to say that today. We're going to ask a lot of questions today, though. So, I'm going to dive right into a situation I had with a customer recently. And the customer said to me, hey, you know what? Why don't you do an episode for your podcast on advocating for customers? In fact, I think you should do it and stress the emphasis on the lack of advocating that's out there. So I said, explain it to me a little bit. So he just flushed out some stories and explained to me that, you know, too many vendors just come back with, we can't do that. And there's no alternative for this business to choose from. And it's just a flat out no. So I want to, I want to today spend some time just asking questions. And I think you're going to end, you know, at the end of uh, this short 10 minutes, you're going to have a lot of questions to ask yourself, take home to your own businesses, maybe spread around, pass this podcast on to somebody and let them kind of digest this and see where you stand, if you will. If you want to subscribe to the show, we would love you to go for the ride. Uh, YouTube subscription, if you're looking at us on screen right now, your lower right-hand corner, uh, just hover over that cursor. And if you're on any one of the 28 listening platforms, we'd really love your five-star rating. If you feel we deserved it, please take the time to just do that. We, we, you know, it helps us and we certainly would appreciate those ratings. So let's dive into this. So how do you define advocating for a customer? I mean, have you ever really thought about it? Is this something that you've put a definition to or that you talk about in strategy meetings or leadership meetings? Uh, do, if so, are you a proactive advocate for customers? In other words, do you take the initiative or do you wait and be a reactive customer advocate and wait for that customer to ask you for another solution? Okay. Um, What they ordered, what they asked for, you can't get. You can't get for a long time. You can't get forever. You have to now, sub, uh, you know, submit a substitution. Is this something that you're doing proactively or reactively? So ask yourself those questions. Is your assistance uh, out of good stewardship, tender, loving care? I mean, uh, is this something that you really want as a company in your DNA to embark on? Do you want to be known as a company that solves problems with solutions that are outside the box that you bring to the table and you're doing it because you want your customer to understand and feel like they're getting this quality stewardship of their business with you. You're expressing tender love and care of their money time and you're respecting their money and time. So is it at a good stewardship or do you do this begrudgingly? Now, I've worked for 32 companies in nine different industries, and my my sales agency uh, has afforded me to interact with a lot of other, uh, you know, customer service machines. So I've seen 32 companies, felt them, understood them. I know the rhythm. I know the mechanics. I've watched it. I've managed a couple. And this is really something that 
this customer is right. It is lacking in today's business world. In fact, this one customer showed me an email thread where uh, a company, he asked a company to advocate for him and the customer service rep didn't even respond, couldn't respond, didn't know how, didn't know how to find a solution. And it was sad. And I'm glad he shared that with me because I, I really never understood the magnitude of this problem. Uh, but it's out there and it's, uh, you know, it's large and in charge in many company, uh, you know, DNAs. I mean, it really is. So, uh, you know, just ask yourself, are you, is your business so cut and dry? Are you so either or that there's just, you know, this is what we offer. If we don't have it, that's it. So are you personally, is, is this something that you personally go, oh, geez, this guy's asking me for help. I'm just going to tell him no. Is this gal needing my assistance? I'm just going to say no because I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. I don't want to spend the time trying to figure this out. Is this you? I mean, are you cutting it off before your company would actually cut it off? Do you avoid responding when a customer asks for a solution? Just like that email, um, you know, example. Does your company invite or do they discourage workarounds to find solution workarounds are timely workarounds are costly workarounds um you know can really chew up a lot of resources in a company but i mean uh, look at the look at the sign for those of you who are listening there's a mural in the back and it's it's the can do it's the attitude challenge there's a graphic on the wall and it's flexible willing and creative and basically you know when it comes down to it are you a company that's willing to go the extra mile to do workarounds? I mean, workarounds can be fun because you can get a lot of cool accolades from customers and you can make a lot of ha happy or customers happy and put a lot of smiles on faces if you can do this workaround uh, successfully. So, uh, you know, are you, are you one that just rolls up your sleeves and gives it the old, what, the cliche, the old college try, so to speak? Or do you give solution hunting just a feeble, mild, you know, effort? Is it something that you just go, oh boy, I'm just going to make one call. And if I can't get the answer on this one call, the heck with it. I'm not going to go down this road. You know, these are some things just would love to ask you to ask yourself. Do you lie to a customer to tell them you are working on it when you're really not? Oh, let me tell you, this is the little trick I've seen more often than most. Yes, company personnel even bragging about it in some meetings where they just say, you know, yeah, I told the guy we're working on it, but, you know, we know there's nothing we can do. So I just want to make it look like we were making an attempt. Really? That's sad, but it happens, and it happens more than you think. Um, do, uh, do you have a time and effort limit on the scope of your advocating. So you're trying to create a solution. Do you say, you know what, if I can't do it in one call, two calls, three calls, I'm done. I mean, is that, that the end of it? Uh, or do you press on and see if you can come up with something? Uh, do you ever steer your customer to a competitor? Maybe a competitor's got the solution they're looking for. I mean, do you ever steer them that way? Um, I have done that on a number of occasions. It doesn't feel great, but it's, uh, it's something that the customers appreciate because you are saying, look, um, for whatever variety of reasons, I'll relinquish this business opportunity. And I'm going to have to tell you the, you know, the D, E, and F company has the solution. I'm sorry, our ABC company couldn't help you, but here's, these guys have what you're looking for. 
And you know what? That customer will appreciate that. I have found that customer appreciates that uh, because they realize you're being truthful and they realize you're, you're looking out for their best interests. Did you ever try negotiating with a customer? Maybe there's a negotiation built in. Look, Ben, uh, if we can do this, uh, I'm just asking you, if I can get this done, I mean, it's going to take, you know, we're going to kind of move some mountains here, but if I can get it done, will you, right? Maybe there's a built-in um, built in negotiation you can come up with where maybe you get a piece of business down the road that you didn't get, uh, the you know, on the front part of the uh, the solution, but you're going to get, you know, a year down the road, maybe, Right. So there, 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 there's probably some good opportunities. The bottom line question I have, are you a can do company or are you a can't do company? And I think it really comes down to business is not cut and dry. Cons consumers, customers, buyers, they need some alternatives. Sometimes they need us to, to put on our thinking caps and, uh, you know, go the extra mile and, and, and see if we can come up with at least close to what they ask for. Sometimes they can't, we can't get what they're, you know, asking for. We can't give them what they're asking for, but we can certainly give it a try. Uh, even if we think it's not going to work, just give it a try. Go through the motions. Um, see if, you know, maybe by miraculous uh, course of events, they say, you know what, We'll acquiesce and we'll take that, even though it, it's substandard in this, that, and this area. So, you know, what is at the end of a rainbow um, when you are this can-do company, when you've accepted this attitude, mindset, challenge, you know, and, and you're flexible and willing and you're creative and you're going to go out on a limb and you're going to do it. What's at the end of that rainbow? That's really for you to ask yourself and try to figure out. And, and you know, is there something there? I know myself included, I've had a number of these and, 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 you know, one of them, I had 160,000 pants in production and it was a khaki colored fabric for men's slacks and it was nylon cotton in material. And guess what? This was see-through. You could see through this fabric. And 160,000 pants is a whole lot of money. And uh, we had to come up with a solution. And you know what? The bottom line solution was we had to sew pocketing into the fly. It's a term we use in the, in the apparel business where we actually put the pocketing, the white pocketing, all the way to the front. So it blocked you know, you know, block the men's uh, genitalia there. And, you know, we got away with, you know, and the buyer understood. We told them what was going on. We, we, we created this solution. And you know what? We never heard a peep at retail. They sold all 160,000 pants. And, um, you know, we solved the solution. It was timely. It was costly. Lost money on it. But, you know, shame on me. Shame on us for not realizing that, you know what? This fabric's a little thin. <clears throat> and uh, it's got some see-through properties. How about the story I told in an earlier podcast? I believe it was like 27 or something, but it was uh, 500 unhappy dealers. Why were they unhappy? When I really boiled down to the unhappiness, it stemmed from our uh, inability, but it wasn't our inability. It was our lack of desire to um, not be as profitable in order 
to satisfy big and tall garment production. We basically, for many, many months, almost a year, said no. We got these orders for big and tall production. We said no to it. And in essence, we made all these customers happy. Why did we say no to it? Because the factory was losing efficiencies and their numbers, their profitability would suffer as a result. Well, the problem was we advertised these big and tall units. It was part of our, in our catalog, in our, you know, in our sales, um, you know, portfolio. And how in the world could we not back it up? So I had to come in there and as a new executive vice president, I had to absorb this problem and come up with a workaround was very costly. I mean, to the point where we had to close our distribution center every Wednesday when a truck came in, uh, coming in from the uh, Miami and we had to uh, basically do manual fulfillment of old back orders while we kept the distribution center closed and literally 30 some odd people would just sit there for four hours and get paid for doing nothing. I mean, it was, it was painful, but we had to service the customers. We failed those customers up front and it wasn't fair. And we needed to do our own workaround to get that problem solved and, you know, come up with a solution. Um, so, you know, I, I think really at the end, it's really a question you have to ask yourself. Customers do want us to advocate for them. This gentleman in Omaha, Nebraska, who shared this story with me, um, was genuinely upset that, that vendors are just not coming to the table. So let's come to the table, but let's come to our first, our conference room tables, our boardrooms, our executive teams, our management teams. Are we a can-do company, or are we a can't-do? Let's not fool ourselves. And I think you probably uh, pr probably serves you well to try to be a can-do company. I mean, that's my take on it. So, anyway, I hope uh, I hope this has spurred some thought, um, and I hope you know. There's I mean, there's tons of stories to tell, but I hope this has spurred some thought, and I wish you the best in trying to trying to carve out an attitude of. Um, you know, helping customers more than maybe you have been. So uh, we're going to transition into the Lost in the Shuffle track today, and it's called Working Man Blues. So we're going to do a version today of Tommy Emanuel and Billy Strings. Tommy Emanuel's from, uh, these guys are both pickers, what we would call in the bluegrass community. Um, as a matter of fact, Billy Strings is out of Michigan and is the son of a picker in a bluegrass band. And Tommy Emanuel's from New South Wales in Australia. And Tommy is a, uh, you know, guitar, uh, actually he's in the, I guess the kind of like the rock and roll hall of fame down in Australia. I forget the name of it, but, um, you know, he's very well noted. And, uh, these two gentlemen got together in 2018 to do a version of working man blues. You're going to see it up on a card up on the right hand corner of our screen. I'm sorry, listening audience. Uh, we don't have it here, but if you go to our YouTube channel, you can click on, you can always go in the notes and find the link. Um, or you can just go uh, and search, um, Tommy Emanuel, Billy Strings, Michigan Meets Australia, Working Man Blues. And hey, if you want to change the results of your business, we argue in today's world, maybe you change the how you do business. It's an experiential customer atmosphere out there. They really do a lot of judgment on vendors and suppliers based on those 
um, businesses and how they make the customer feel. What's the experience like for the customer to buy from your company? So that's really uh, where we feel everything is leaning into in a heavy way. So we just we just uh, invite you to take a look at that. Join us for the ride. We kind of cover this every week. We cover it in our book, Simple Biz 360 on Amazon, or you can get it from our website, simplebiz360.com. Uh, and it's just, uh, you know, it's something that we're passionate about. So again, guys, there is so much information out there, man, you can use your own computer and dig and find a lot of questions or a lot of answers to questions you may have just in general life. It's very confusing times right now. I say, man, we need more truth tellers. Look at the back of this computer, right? Truth. We need more truth tellers. We need them coming up the, the, the pipeline for future executive positions, political positions. We need them now. We're so tired of getting lied to. And if, you know, honestly, you know, you got to look up the Smith Munt Modernization Act. Look that up. You got to probably look it up on uh, DuckDuckGo or Brave, but look that up. And uh, just understand, you probably would be doing yourself a favor by turning off TV and cable news. Open a Bible. Man, there are great stories in that Bible. And, you know, pray. I mean, this is a time where prayer, the more prayer, the better for all of us. So just pray to God for help in all these crazy times. And you know what? Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And we will see you in 168 hours. Thank you.